out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the same. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films that will not come up in a film studies class. And sometimes that is entirely too bad because this week's film is a cl- is a film that would be very appropriate uh, for any conversation and all the conversations because it is a near and dear favorite to all of the Good Trash crew. We're looking at the Princess Bride. Very, very excited to be talking about this with my illustrious co-host. We want to identify them now for your brains and for your identification purposes, so that you know who is stupid and who is not so moving on the table identify yourself to my right sir hi my name's caleb masters and inconceivable indeed indeed uh, who are you sir i are the golden and i only dog paddle <laughs> that was brilliant well done sir who are you across from me sir my name is dalton stewart but uh today uh my name is john wick you killed my puppy prepare to die um <laughs> different movie uh close enough Alrighty, thank you very much for that, sir. To my left, ma'am, who are you? My name's Alexander Bohannon, and everyone knows the classic blunders. The first being never get in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less famous is this. Never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Correct, correct. My name is Dustin <laughs> Sells, and I will try to use small words, you warthog-faced buffoons. And uh, we will be <laughs> talking all about uh, the... Uh, Princess Bride. Uh, we don't want to warn you, dear listener, though. This is, I, I, I this is, seems strange to even be saying right now. This is a analysis show, not a review show. And that means we will spoil The Princess Bride. If you've been living under a stone and have not seen The Princess Bride, reconsider your life choices and watch The Princess Bride. Uh, but we will be spoiling, but we will uh, we will wait a moment in case you are one who has lived under said rock um, or come out of cybernetic or cybergenic freezing. Cryogenic? Cryogenic. Cybergenic is completely different. Cyberdyne systems online. Cyberdyne systems. They do freezing though, don't they? I don't know. Cryogenic <laughs> freezing. Uh, with Walt Disney's brain and have not been able to uh, see The Princess Bride. Uh, This is how it's going to go down. We're going to have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema. Then we're going to move right into our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which will be spoiler free. From then, we will play our game, which might involve a mild spoiler or two about the film in question and perhaps some of the other films we might mention. But once we get down to business, dear listener, that's when all spoiler bets are off and you have now been warned. So without any further ado, Mr. Arthur Gordon, voice of the cinema. Let's hear that synopsis. While homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him a story called The Princess Bride. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) And in that story, a young swashbuckling farm boy. Hey guys, we should all quit our jobs and go write for IMDb. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty. pretty I don't think pretty bad lately. I, I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think that pays very well. well I think I they're just user submitted. Yeah, I don't I'm, think they yeah. pay anyone. It's like a wiki, yeah. and it shows. Moving right along, uh, we are going to get right into those thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I'm not going to be surprised by what anybody says. I'm going to go to you first, fangirl of fangirls, Uh, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What do you have to say? Do you like the Princess Bride? I love the Princess Bride. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably. I would say that I'm not lying when I say that 
I have watched this movie more than any other movie in my entire life. Uh, you know how we've talked before on how films can have a second life on home media, and that's what happened with The Princess Bride. Um, both, like, larger societally, like, that's kind of, that's been very common. I read it in um, um, Carrie Ewell's uh, autobiography about his making of The Princess Bride, how the movie got its second life on home media. But uh, yeah, that also happened for me because that's when I discovered it is whenever it got its first DVD print. And then I just wore out that DVD every time I was sick, every time I was home, anytime I was bored. Yeah, just watched it over and over and over and over. Are you aware that Criterion released The Princess Bride on Laserdisc in the 90s? I want a Laserdisc player right now oh, so bad holy just to have shit. a Criterion. Why have they not <laughs> done... Okay, if they've already because done a Laserdisc... Because the rights transferred back to somebody else. Oh MGM God. has it now. Yeah. Fucking ass. It's usually why it ends up on Criterion is there's like a rights complication yeah. with the, the actual studio. There are a studio lot of the major place. movies. I mean, Blade Runner was released initially on Criterion. On laser oh my god <laughs> this this is the best thing ever i've ever heard okay well no i didn't know that and yes now i want one of those yes. uh, <laughs> oh, okay to be fair i remember in sixth grade science class we watched a movie on laser disc we did it happened and like people are like you don't know what that is i do yeah anyway i'm not convinced laser disc was ever real Oh, man, they were. Uh, nope, I don't believe you. I had a science professor who always made a joke of it when we would watch one. We would do the same thing at yeah. school. And he would throw them across the room because we were, like, nearly indestructible. <laughs> oh, See, my wait, God. Wait, really? See, yeah, really. This <laughs> is how I know laser just can't be real because apparently it's where all cinephile dreams come true. <laughs> Original <laughs> cuts of Star Wars. I mean, all the whole nine yards. There's, yeah. There's actually, in Bethany, Oklahoma, there's a small music shop that sells some old... Laserdisc. I know they have Back to the Future and a few others there. Yeah, <sighs> I had I I actually I had a Star Wars la- Laserdisc that I gave to a friend for his birthday. I bought it at a garage sale. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know that it was a thing. worth a lot of money. <laughs> probably. <laughs> this was a long time ago. Dustin's gonna cry himself <laughs> to sleep for the <laughs> remainder of his life. This is the second of valuable things me or someone I cared about has found in the last week, or I found out about this week and <laughs> had to give been, back. And oh, it's, I'm so I'm just oh, I'm sad. So sorry. Anyway, okay, Princess Bride. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's endlessly quotable. Uh, that the ultimate fight scene, God, that I've read so much about that fight scene, and it is beautiful, amazing, and fantastic. Fencing with left and right hands, and there's you know no stand-ins except for uh, there might be the stand-ins whenever they do the, yeah. the acrobatics. Anyway, this movie's amazing. If you haven't seen it, you suck. And I hope that everyone <laughs> has seen it because like I want to like you. <laughs> so that's my review. All right, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon, Mister. Dalton Stewart, what do you have to say? I have uh, not seen The Princess Bride in several years. Um, I want to say the last time I watched it, I was probably 13 or 14. Uh, this is maybe the third or fourth time I've seen it You're ever. doing life wrong. Uh, well, it just, you know, I, you know me. I don't really rewatch a whole lot, um, with, with the exception of a small handful of films. Um, I was really, really excited to rewatch this, though. Um, I'm glad that we decided to, to talk about this film, because I have... Uh, been wanting to check in with it for quite some time and uh, it, it's incredible it holds up so well um, it is a damn near perfect uh, family adventure film I, I mean I, I don't know what more there is to say other than that it, it moves at such a good clip Arthur and I were talking about this off air you I Arthur and I both remember this movie being closer to two hours we remember there being like so much more stuff happening no, this movie just, it moves. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- once the granddad shows up and starts reading that story, it is on. Um, and it never slows down. And it, it never stops being fun. 
and funny and 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 it it so perfectly like melds comedy and adventure um which i I feel like is often difficult I, i think things lean too far into one or the other sometimes when you try to do a a genre mashup like that and uh, Rob Reiner and and his team do it so deftly and the cast is so game and uh just I I, I can't think of a bad word to say about it um other than you know we'll get into you know critical analysis and uh, those are are all going to be valid points but as far as as a film as a piece of entertainment I'll tell you what that's a damn good movie all right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you like The Princess Bride? Yes, this movie is pure joy put on film. I really have nothing negative to say about the movie. Um, everybody's great. Carrie Ollis and Robin Wright are straight fire. I love Peter Falk so much. I love him so much. I wish he was my grandfather uh, because he's just the dearest man in the world. And I kept expecting him at the very end of the movie to turn around and say, there's just one thing I don't understand. You've been Columbo. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, I wouldn't want him to be my grandfather because I'd never get away with anything. Okay, so let me tell you the reason why I know you told the cookies out of the cookie jar. This is a pretty good Peter Falk, yeah, man. You're getting it. I watched a lot of Columbo. I bet. <laughs> um, it's infinitely quotable. It's well paced. It's hilarious. I love every moment of it. Um, Potent quotables. Uh, yeah, and so definitely every thumb and digit is up for this movie. Excellent. Thank you for that. How ma- wait, how many? All of them. Six of them. Six. He's, so love He's it. being coy. He's being coy. He's being coy. I don't know. Uh, to my right, sir, Mr. Caleb Masters, do you like the Princess Bride? Am I am I human? Do I breathe? Is the sky blue? Do you have a heart? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this movie is fantastic. I mean, I, I, you guys have said it all. This movie is pure joy. It's a great adventure film that's, you know, I, any age group could watch. I didn't watch this until like high school for the first time. I'm kind of sad I didn't get to experience this as a young child because this is this movie is so much fun. I love that it embraces the fact that it is kind of dumb and silly and ridiculous and like a little swashbuckling adventure. Like that's what makes it so special because it just it never it, it, it never tries to be anything but what it is, which is, hey, if my grandpa was reading a story, uh here's how a child would imagine that story playing it, out. It's uh, flawless. It's incredibly self aware without ever being smug about it. Yeah. Uh kind of like John Wick. Uh, but uh, <laughs> oh my, which God. actually is an you, app. Here's so the thing: cute. I watched them like back to back. It's an apt comparison, I think, because they're both films that just operate at a higher level. I, they really are uh, of just like pure, purely joyful entertainment, and I, I think that's really a great thing about the Princess Bride, Caleb. You're right. I mean, it just it captures that feeling of being told a story um, by a by a loved one, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I, it's a great point. It's not too winky, though, because I think it's incredibly self-aware, but it's never like, hey, guys. Look how self-aware look, we are, look, yeah. we're in a story. Did you, do you get it? You know, it's, so I, I really appreciate uh, appreciate that. The um, the fight scenes, fight choreography is great. So good. It's, it's good, I, and I love the kind of stagey feel of a lot of the sets and stuff like that. It just It's kind of part of the, the charm. Um, yeah, when you really break this film down, like uh, especially if you're looking at like cultural criticism, you want to break it down, well, sure. There's going to be problems, but you know, I, I think you guys have all said it. A- as is, as a piece of entertainment, I think this thing is is perfect. It's flawless, and it's a film. You know, one day I will show to children somewhere because it's great. In the back of a van. No, <laughs> get, get out! Get out of here! Get out of here! Uh, I'm not the one who drives a creepy van around here. Uh, guys, we should get Bride. guys. We should get a van with like airbrushed <laughs> van art of of, yeah. of the Princess Bride. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God! Why has this not happened um, yet? Dustin. Um, what do you think? Rodents of unusual size, myth or fact? Uh, I don't believe they actually exist. 
It's one, ah! one of my favorite gags in the entire movie. <laughs> it's so much fun. I love the Princess Bride. It's fantastic. I have a set of small humans that I'm responsible for, uh, you know, their upkeep and, uh, you know, walking and feeding and uh, those sort of things. And Circus I, performers. Uh, yes, they are. And uh, we watched this film together. Um, they were quoting every line right alongside me. It is infinitely quotable. It's got Columbo. It's got Andre the Giant. It's got Jenny. It's got everything <laughs> you could ever possibly want. It, it's got that uh, guy that uh, cut his foot off to get out of a bathroom. Yeah, I was going to say, this is like really the, the prequel uh, after uh, Buttercup and uh, and Wesley have a terrible breakup. Mm-hmm. Wesley just goes crazy, and uh, we get Saw. <laughs> we get the Saw series. <laughs> and you can't forget, Buttercup goes on to be the, uh, what the, the, vice, the vice president, president of the United, United States. States. Uh, so first yeah, lady. Well, first she goes on to a, like, a very abusive relationship with a handicapped person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and, from and then there, she fakes her own death to get out of it. Yes, and then murders her way to the uh, first lady position. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the only reason I ever watch Saw was because Carrie Ewell's that Princess Bride was in it. That, out. that sold that movie to me That's in the eighth grade. Yep. I d- a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Wesley, a.k.a. the Dread Pirate Roberts, also a cinematographer on the film Nosferatu. Oh, yep. wow. yeah. a lot wow. of people don't know that. Oh, that's right, though. I remember now. But yeah, after, yeah. after you know, swashbuckling days were over, he uh, got into film. There you go. Uh, we're no, having we're having a good time. We're having a really good time. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's infinitely quotable. It's got everything I want. Um, it is so cheap. Oh my gosh, so cheap. And oh yeah, I don't <laughs> even care. Could not be bothered by it. Bad soundtrack. Bad. I uh, love the soundtrack. Stunts. Shut up. No, it's terrible. That's what no, makes it. I, I own the soundtrack. Oh well, I love you but still. The, but uh, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb brought it up first. Yeah, I think that's part of its charm. Yeah. It's what makes it special and memorable and, and great and uh, lovely the, and fun. I think the, they the lean into that it. That yeah. sound stage is clearly a sound stage oh, yeah, on the top yeah, of that cliff. Right. Oh, with I the, and am the, not left-handed. Ba, ba, da, ba. The, and the boats, like the boats, are very clearly mm. in a tank oh, yeah. with yeah. the lights turned off. Oh yeah. Yeah, but nonetheless, all of the cheapness, I don't care because I think William Goldman's uh, dialogue, his script, is just that strong, yeah. and it's 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 tons of fun. Which of you was it that was somebody at this table was telling me about like reading the script and just how crackerjack it is, and like maybe maybe it wasn't anybody at this table. I've re- recently been told that the screenplay is absolute dynamite, and that was it somebody you interviewed. It might have been somebody we interviewed for People's History, yeah, but somebody was telling me about it, and uh, I guess the, the, the sword fight between uh, Inigo and Wesley is actually, like, in the script, it just says, this has to be the greatest sword fight ever put to screen, uh, ever put to film. Uh, like, it's, and it just, like, everything that is in this film is in the screenplay, and it's just, like, so perfectly described. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Um, and again, the, the novel itself is pretty brilliant and pretty funny, and uh, and they're, they're they're really able to change it and adapt it to screen by not being, like, like laboriously faithful. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of the stuff works way better, like, getting rid of the ten levels of the pit of despair and, like, right. yeah, like, it's just like, I don't care about any of that, just, yeah. Hey, where do we put the wheelbarrow that we have with the albino? <laughs> Oh, on top of the albino. <laughs> on top of the albino. Oh, I remember now. Okay, good. Good to know. Does anybody have a Holocaust cloak? Uh, we could do this all day long. Uh, we like this movie a lot, dear listener. I think it's quite obvious. So we want you to know uh, that and uh, prepare you uh, for what's happening. And we want you to be part of the conversation that we're having about this film as we continue on in our show. There are some social media means by which those conversations uh, can take place. Alex, you know anything about that? Sure do, Dustin. You can find us at goodtrashmedia.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash goodtrashmedia. You can find us on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash good trash media and you can find us at patreon patreon.com forward slash gtm all right well thanks for that there remains yet a means uh mr dalton stewart what there is, is. 
What is it? Um, well, uh, after years and years of study and trying to figure out how to cause people the most amount of pain, uh, Twitter was invented. Uh, <laughs> you can find the Good Trash <laughs> Media Network on Twitter at good underscore trash, and even the lowest setting will take a year of your life away. <laughs> that is so valid. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, before we move on to the next section of our show, we have a bit of an announcement. Uh, many of you are already aware that uh, the Dr. Reverend Arthur Gordon is going to be stepping back. He's not a doctor. He, uh, oh, Esquire. 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 Can we give him an on- honorary doctorate? Uh, no, Esquire? we're not a university. Doctorate I don't think we're allowed to do that. Good trash. Good, good trash university.com, guys. <laughs> Trump did it. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Topical, political. Is uh, going to, he, Arthur is going to be stepping back from the show next week will be his last show uh with us but also uh mr dr reverend uh bishop esquire uh <laughs> all right fine <laughs> caleb masters is also uh taking a step out i am and i love all of you people around this table and we'll continue talking to you people about movies off and off on air uh via the internet by some means including back to the movies because that's still that back train's still rolling and we've got some great stuff coming up uh, in a few months and i'd love to have any of any or all of you on as a guest. And our, our dear sweet boys, uh, we still like them. You'll still probably hear from them from time to time, but uh, it's probably just going to be the three of us, uh, Alex and Dustin and myself, most of the time uh, coming in the coming weeks. Uh, we will probably have a brief pause in production as we go. You may or may not know this, uh, dear listener. We currently record out of Arthur Gordon's home, so uh, we got to move studios and uh, finagle some production things. Uh, so there might be a brief break, but uh, we're not going anywhere. And... Um, we love you, and we love both of these people at this table. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we, we say goodbye and farewell. We'll see them next week uh, on our last show, which is a host pick from Arthur. So stay tuned. I'm curious to see what he does to us. The last chance he has anything to do anything to us uh, for a little while. Uh, moving right along. Guys, enough of this. It is definitely time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. This week's game is our favorite cinematic stories within stories. That's right, favorite cinematic stories within stories, brought to you by The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. I'm doing kind of a horse uh, race announcer voice, and The Princess Bride, good name for a racehorse. Also, Buttercup's Baby. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to... Baby coming around the bend, and he's taking the lead, and oh, comes Wesley up the outside. And there comes Death from Sicily, right behind in third... But out of nowhere comes the Dread Pirate Roberts to win the race. Inconceivable, never made it out of the starting gate. I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> we are ha- we're just having a good time. <laughs> I love you guys. Comedy gold. Dalton Stewart, what are your favorite cinematic stories within stories? Uh, John Wick. <laughs> I'm because sorry. it has chapter two does not make it within a story, Dalton. All right, that's a good point. Um, no, actually, uh, so a filmmaker that I uh, I talk shit on a lot um, just because everybody likes him and I don't get Michael the appeal. Bay? No, um, not everybody likes him, and I, I kind of do get the appeal with that one. It's Tim Burton, um, but I really like the film Big yeah. Fish. Yes, Ooh, money. Which Great is, pick. yeah, a, a fantastic film, uh, story within story film that I think in terms of the the films that I picked, I think, share the most in common with Princess Bride ab- about familial yeah. storytelling, right? That that's kind of the key to both of these films um, is, is the stories we tell the people we love. Um, and that's the only film on my, my list, list of selections for stories within stories that really captures that. And I, I think it, it's really a, an incredible film because it uh, yeah, wrestles with uh, 
a son dealing with the, the humanity of his father for good and for worse. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick, uh, Dalton. I I just I was actually on my list too. Oh, well, right on. Um, because I think you're, you're onto something though. It's really kind of highlights the importance of storytelling yeah. and why it's important to pass the stories down yeah. and, and and how like just because it, it means something a little different for that next generation doesn't Absolutely. make it any more or less important. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the entirety of Billy Crudup's character, like kind of wrestling with his dad's bullshit and like what that means for yep. him personally. I, I think is really fantastic. Um. Probably one of the all-time great story within story films, uh, Rashomon, uh, the impeccable Akira Kurosawa film based on a, 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 sh- a short story, I want to say, um, uh, from several years before he made the film. But uh, just the bee's knees. It uh, remains the lost episode of the uh, short-lived Good Trash to Cinema pod, uh, spinoff podcast. Um, that uh, It was a film that I'd wanted to watch for years, and Dustin made me watch it, as he often does. Um, it's so fucking good. It's so good. <laughs> Seriously, if 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 you have been putting off getting into foreign cinema, you know, international cinema, Akira Kurosawa specifically, or Japanese cinema specifically, it is the perfect way to get into it because it's a, it's a short film. It's not it's not it's feature length, but it's not particularly long, and it just hums like every every piece of that movie interlocks so perfectly, and just thematically, narratively, like it all works from top to bottom. I love it. It's a fantastic film. Um, I want to give a little love to a film that I don't think gets very much love uh, because it's not great, uh, but it was George Clooney's directorial debut, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, starring Sam Rockwell. Um, As you all know, I love Sam Rockwell. I like watching him dance, and he dances in this film as he does in literally every movie he's ever made. Uh, But it is about uh, Chuck Berry. Chuck Barris? Not Chuck Berry. Um, (laughs) Different different Chuck. Uh, The creator. Sam Rockwell playing Chuck Berry. No, he's playing Chuck Barris. Um, <laughs> that that would not be okay. Um, so Chuck Barris, I, f- I feel like I'm fucking up his name. I could be wrong about that. The guy I think that you're right. Yeah, yeah, the guy that created uh, the Gong Show and the Dating Game um, alleged many years later that he was also a uh, an assassin for the mm-hmm. CIA and um, put out uh, a memoir about that. And uh, this is the story of what if this is actually true. And uh, it's really good. I think it's a very interesting film. Um, George Clooney, actually, uh, surprisingly, you know, a lot of the times when actors transition to uh, directing, they really do focus more on performances. I think he does have a really strong visual eye, uh, at least in this film. I haven't seen uh, many of... I've seen this in Ides of March, and I haven't seen a lot of his directorial efforts. I love Good Night and Good Luck. That's what I hear. I hear Good Night Good Luck's really good, and I need to catch up with it. Yeah. But uh, I think this film really shows that he does have a, a flair for visual storytelling, and it's a really strong one. I, I have a lot of other ones on this list, but I don't want to use up all the good stories within stories, so I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your selections? Uh, yeah, Big Fish was a great pick that Dalton had on there. I also had that on my list. Uh, another filmmaker who's done this pretty frequently uh, is actually Wes Anderson. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite being the Grand Budapest Hell Hotel yeah. because that's yep. like three layers deep of story, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like uh, it's it's all from a book that a girl's reading about a guy who went to the hotel later who heard the recounting of his story from the Grand Budapest. And stories hotel. on stories on stories. Yeah. Budapestception. Yeah. Budapestception. Budaception. Uh, yeah, it's but that's that's um I, I love that particular film because it does a similar thing that I think Princess Bride does, mm-hmm. which is it it doesn't try to like tell the story as it actually happened. It tries to tell it as the the, the as reader the the original reader would imagine it. Yeah. So like the further it goes down that hole, like the more stagey and kind of Wes Anderson Wes Anderson esque whatever Andersonian Andersonian yes yeah. that, it, that it becomes. Uh, 
Um, and and I just love that's, that that story means uh, I love it's beautiful. That, it's a beautiful story. And I think you make a really good point, Caleb, about like the further we get deep into how far back we're going into the story being told to told to told. You're right. It does like even take on more of what people think of as Wes Anderson's right. look, that kind of storybook dollhouse. Right. right. The dollhouse, the the way he frames the camera, the way the sets look like they're a set, you know, yeah. just just little things like that. And the way the characters talk even mm-hmm. is just more more stylized. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a huge favorite for me. Um and then lastly, uh, you know, never ending story. Come on. I mean, I feel like it's like the brother sister film to Princess Bride because it's it's so similar, it's so great, and I just wanted to ride a Treyu's horse so badly and fight <laughs> the nothing that I still don't totally understand. It's great. Artax, oh, I cried so much for Artax. I know it was so sad. It was a sad day. All right, well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What are your selections? I'm going to kick it off uh, with an oldie but a goodie. It's not actually that old, uh, but it is the Notebook. Uh, mm-hmm. because when you find out the source of the story, it's all the more uh, endearing and heart-wrenching. And powerful. I wrote you a letter every day for a year, Arthur. <laughs> I'll remember that when you're in a nursing home. I'm going to make out with you <laughs> so hard. I'll read them all to you. Oh, it's a sweet film. <laughs> it actually just uh, came up on uh, People's History of Film. Yeah, it did. I'm going to uh, start crying. I was thinking about it, I think. Um, also, I would say Iron Man 3. Uh, which is a story oh, yeah. as, as Tony relates uh, his journey to uh, Bruce Banner throughout uh, narrating that story to him. Uh, so we get that little, little. it's a little tricky one, uh, but I'm going to count it. Uh, but finally, I'm going to say Life of Pi. Oh, uh, yeah. Which also kind of reflects a lot of the, the Big Fish stuff about the importance of storytelling and how stories can help us cope or uh, portray those ideas. And I think it's a powerful movie. It's a, I, I love it. I love The Life of Pi. I think it's fantastic. And so I've got I've to give that the, the inclusion here. All right. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what say you? What are your selections? What up? What up? What up? Well, I can't. Uh, <laughs> sorry. No, I love it. I'm <laughs> super into it. Uh, I wish it happened earlier when I said pass the mic. So we got a Beastie Boys thing going on oh, here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would be remiss, and uh, they could probably take back my English degree if I don't drop some uh, some of the canon on you all. Um, some of the canon with good literary adaptations, because uh, that happens sometimes. Um, one of which is A Midsummer Night's Dream. That that out of that film uh, from the play is, is great. Has lots of that kind of nesting uh, nesting dolls thing with the play within a play and blah blah blah. Um, also. Would be remiss to not mention, I don't know, uh, Dustin could probably tell me this, um, if there's ever been a good film adaptation of Frankenstein that captures the the nesting, like, five layers deep of those stories within stories. Yes, I'm going to tag in, uh, even though you asked Dustin. That's fine. It's, it's not good. It's uh, Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein yeah. does... What it, the novel does, okay, I, I think so, pretty close. But and it's I, not great. But the not idea great. of it being story within a story, I think, is played with quite a bit in Bride of Frankenstein because we mm-hmm. have fair, Percy yeah. B. Shelley and Mary Wolf's, yep. uh, Mary Shelley, and also uh, what Lord Byron, right? Yeah, hanging out and they're talking about sort of the circumstances of the writing. But yeah. it's not real faithful. It's yeah, I love it. I mean, I love it. But tiny yeah. people, yeah, tiny people. That's not fine. the novel. <laughs> Um, well, cool. I'm glad that there has been at least something there. Um, another one that I particularly like of this past year is Martin Scorsese's recent film, Silence. Um, I mean, it doesn't, it it does start with, you know, this is, we're going to go find this priest with 
these letters and blah 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 and then it ends kind of in the same way um with the one of the traders from japan commenting upon the status of um a certain priest and if he has recanted um and i also would like to mention a a movie we have done on the good trash genre cast cloud atlas Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, that, yeah. I didn't that, even think about that for that some reason. That movie is amazing, and is it takes me to church every single time I watch it, and is... It's like the most tragically underrated film. It really is. It is. I mean, come on. Give give the Wachowskis some credit. That movie is awesome. So, um, anyway, those are going to be my picks for stories within stories. Excellent, excellent. I like that all very, very much, and I will re- just resound everything that everyone has said so far. I will mention uh, two examples, one cinematic and one not. Not so much. Uh, one of those, uh, major spoilers, ahoy, mm-hmm. dear listener. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Denzel Washington's Fallen, um, which I love. We got to do that movie on the show, do, dude. Because of its unreliable narrator. The story opens. We hear the voice of Denzel say, let me tell you about the time I nearly died. And the eye that's speaking is not Denzel. I will yeah. say only that much. Um, and it is great. I just, I just love it. It just, it works so well, and it just makes me happy on every level. But my favorite story within a story is actually in a comic book. It's, uh, it, it's in the Fables and Reflections collection of the Sandman. Uh, it's a little story called The Hunt. It's I'm pretty sp- sure you've talked about this on the show before. Have I? Uh, the werewolves. I think so. Keep going, though. Okay, well, the, the story is a grandfather. It, it, it basically is the Prince's Bride. A grandfather uh, is stuck at home uh, with a granddaughter who's busy watching television, and he's telling stories about the old country from which they came, you know, years and years and years and years and years ago. And uh, talking about this boy and sort of, again, sort of a standard sort of fairy tale kind of journey. He's he's out looking for his fortune. He's meeting people. Uh, he's trying to find the love of his life. He thinks it's one person. It turns out to be somebody else. Um, but the, the, the turn in the story at the end is that, oh, by the way, the young boy in the story back in the old country sometime in the medieval period, it was me. It was your grandmother I'm talking about. And oh, I'm a werewolf. Nice. And uh, you better be respecting. And it is amazing. Cool. Just a really, really great little story. Okay, so there's one that I I didn't mention because I went first, and I assume well, so surely somebody else is going to mention this. So let's leave it aside. It's the Usual Suspects, um, oh, yeah, which is a one. very different kind of story within story. Yeah. Um, it's a film that I yeah. like a lot, and I think it's you know people. If, it's one of those films that was a big deal when it came out, and I think when a movie's a big deal when it comes out, it often doesn't have legs, and the uh, you know the continued conversation over the decades after its release um i've seen it recently i'll tell you what it holds up real well so i just want to give some love to the usual suspects which has one of the more fun story within story films no fair enough fair it enough. has a lot of fun with the mechanics of how that works Right on. And, uh, dear listener, I think you've got lots of things that you can be paying attention to uh, for uh, our gameplay, and we'd love to hear your feedback of your favorite stories within stories, cinematic and otherwise. And you can do that via those means of social media that we've already discussed thus far in the program. But moving right along, guys, I think it's time to get down to business. So, uh, without any further ado, we'll get to that analysis right now. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Yeah, I want to talk a bit about the hero's journey, uh, which we're all really familiar with and what it is and how it acts. Uh, For any listener who may not know, uh, essentially it's a plug-and-play outline for uh, constructing a lot of adventure narratives. It comes from Joseph Campbell, uh, 
but the most common in our modern vernacular is Star Wars, uh, but Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Big Trouble in Little China, Spider-Man, The Matrix, and Lion King are all examples of this type of storytelling. Um, the more technical name for this arc is the monomyth, and it usually features three acts with several key scenes in each. Uh, the ultimate goal is to see the hero go from youth to maturity and return home with a new reward, power, or position. And so I want to look at how this is played with in The Princess Bride. One of the key things about The Princess Bride is that it is a parody satire of medieval tales, uh, not necessarily fantasy adventure films, but the actual medieval tales of old, much in the same vein as the Holy Grail. Of course, much of the construction of Campbell's monomyth comes from those same tales, as well as the heroic myths of other cultures and societies. Uh, the tale of King Arthur and Mort de Arthur follows many of the same tropes. We have a call to action, initial refusal, uh, mentor, allies, a trip into unfamiliar territory, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and at some point there is a return back to the known. Now, there are actually two main hero's journeys taking place in The Princess Bride, and we only see pieces of each one. Uh, this will lead me down to two trails, one to discuss the depiction of the hero's journey and the other to look at spectatorship. The movie unfolds similarly to, say, The Hidden Fortress or Star Wars in that we are tracking the action through the other character's eyes for most of the film, uh, similar to how we see Star Wars play out through C-3PO and R2-D2. Uh, in this way, we see Wesley's adventure begin, and he receives the initial call in the form of seeking his fortune. Uh, however, the film then skips over the majority of the first act of Wesley's hero's journey. Uh, his adventure into the unknown, discovering a mentor, and so forth take place off-screen uh, with the Dread Pirate Roberts. He then returns at the initiation point of the journey to finish out his, his own journey, landing in a series of trials and temptations as he f has to face the three scoundrels and make it through the fire swamp and finally uh, his capture at the hands of Humperdinck. Uh, we then see the development of allies in the form of Inigo and Fezzik. Uh, they're the ones to help Wesley in his time of need, but he dies uh, before they get to him. And the hero's death is key to the journey as well, uh, because the hero must be resurrected, and he is. Uh, and of course, uh, we see the final act play out as it would in most hero's journeys. We have the reward, the road back, and the return with the elixir. And yet there's another journey playing out in the film that is just as important. And that's the young boy's journey, uh, Fred Savage who receives the call to hear the story in the first place, which he initially fights but ultimately goes with. Uh, the challenge of listening to the story is the shift from the known to the unknown. Uh, the, grandfather, the grandfather thus takes the role of the mentor who guides his young ward and imparts wisdom, uh, saying things such as, who said life is fair, and alludes to the idea that someday the boy may not mind the kissing parts as much. Uh, there are many trials and temptations that the boy begins to deal with as he listens to the story, uh, mainly his own pride and ego as he encounters the emotions of becoming invested in a story. And by the end of the movie, the boy has to return to the known with the elixir. In his case, the elixir is the power of storytelling and the investment in imagination. He has died to his old beliefs and been reborn. And so it goes that we as film watchers partake in this very journey every time we go to the cinema. Uh, when we first hear a title or see a trailer, we receive the call. In some cases, there may be apprehension, but we leave our known world to enter the unknown of the cinema. Uh, the directors, producers, and writers become our mentors, passing on their own type of wisdom. We become allies of the protagonists, and we face their challenges and temptations head on. And over the course of a good story, we are taken into the darkest of nights, and our conscience must face death with the ultimate goal of being reborn. For us as cinema goers, it occurs in a death of ideology, of self, of how we see the world. Uh, Dalton asks all the time on the People's History, what was the movie that unlocked something? A good story should unlock something. And when it does, we are reborn. And we take these new ideas and ideologies and we take flight through the climax of the film and we make our own return home. And as film critics, we return with the elixir to go and better our culture and our society. 
excellent. Fuck yes. Yes, preach. Oh, heard. Bringing my juice, man. Yeah, um, I'm just going to say amen, and uh, yes, thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis do you bring, sir? Well, I want to go ahead and uh, dovetail with Arthur just a bit uh, to, to briefly talk about um, the act of sharing stories. As Arthur mentioned, the, you know, there is a very... Uh, powerful, transformative aspect to to storytelling, um, not just cinematically, but also you know literarily and uh, and so forth. But I, I think what this film captures so beautifully is uh, the act of sharing a story that means something to you uh, with somebody that means something to you. Um, and I think that there is no finer thing in this world uh, for a bunch of nerds who like talking about movies. I think one of the purest joys any of us have um, is introducing the people we love to the stories we love. Um, I know Dustin talks about this all the time with his his wee munchkins. Um, I know I talk about it all the time with uh, Sweet Lady B. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a film nerd and you're dating somebody that's not a film nerd, the best thing in the that's it's the best thing in the world to get to share films that mean a lot to you with somebody who has no like frame of reference for those films is really truly quite special. Um, but I, I know all of us have talked about that on this show and the the story of of Columbo. Uh, telling a kid from the Wonder Years uh, about uh, Buttercup and Wesley is is really great, and it's something that resonates with me so profoundly. Uh, because you know, when my mom got remarried, um, I, I on paper my dad and I don't have a lot in common. You know, he's a baby boomer. I'm a millennial. Um, he's into cars. I'm less into cars. You know, he. But the thing that really joined me and my my second dad together was film. Uh, and it's what really cemented the relationship with my my birth dad was film, and what allowed me to have a similar relationship with my my adopted father was our shared love of going to the movies and sharing stories with each other. I watched Princess Bride because of him. Um, he watched The Gray because of me, and it, it's that shared. Hey, I think you would like this, and there's something really profound and beautiful about that. Um, of knowing someone well enough, uh, as Arthur mentioned, and the big part of the Campbellian monomyth is, you know, the death of the ego and the acceptance of a larger call. Um, and I think when you love someone very purely, uh, to love, uh, you know the stories that they need to hear. You know the ego deaths that they need to have. You know the journeys that they need to go on, and that's what storytelling allows us to do. I have never been in a plane crash in the Alaskan wilderness uh, I've never lost a spouse to cancer. I've never really wanted to kill myself. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, that January when me and my dad went and saw the gray, uh, we both were Liam Neeson. Um, we both were mad at God. Um, we both were mad that our wife had been taken by cancer. Uh, a little bit more uh, close to home for my dad as my our, my mom and his wife was uh, battling cancer at that time. Um, so it was pretty fucking heavy when we went and saw that movie, but that's, I don't know why I picked the gray to be the movie I'm going to say is the, the great myth to share, but I'm sticking with the metaphor. Um, <laughs> we were both Liam Neeson in that moment and, uh, we're mad at God and we're said, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And sometimes that's the message you need. Other times you need the surrender to the divine and say, I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I need something. Um, and that's the power of storytelling, right? Is knowing the people close to you and sharing the stories that they need to hear with them. And I think that's what uh, The Princess Bride does so well, is Columbo knows that this sick little kid uh, needs to learn that life isn't fair sometimes. And that's okay. It doesn't mean it has to be all bad. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, Dame Bohannon, uh, what say you about The Princess Bride? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Okay, so I... I've been thinking about what to speak about this movie specifically, and I just kept on circling back around to our titular Princess Bride and how our Princess Bride is, suffers from the princess in another castle trope um, and is not given a whole lot to do. Buttercup throughout the movie is kind of held up on this pedestal to be kind of like Wesley's goddess, his muse. And so whenever she experiences natural failings of not even failings she thinks he's dead and then he gets mad at her for getting engaged to Humperdinck after a king compelled her forced her to essentially marry him you can't really tell a king no it's kind of a dick move Wesley yeah I I mean that whole sequence uh where you know he is the dread pirate Roberts and he's kind of interrogating her you know, faithfulness, he said, madam, you talked of your enduring faithfulness. Did you go out and get engaged to a king next month or did you wait two two weeks in honor of the dead? And then she's like, you mocked my pain. Life is pain. You know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so it's just kind of, it, it kind of troubles me that not only is Buttercup not given a whole lot to do at all, uh, she's constantly being stolen and saved and stolen again and put in uh, different castles or different fortresses or um, all of that. Um, and her only almost proactive solution at one point is to try and take her own life, um, which that doesn't really sit well with me. So that's one thing. And our other thing is that Wesley has this kind of bad attitude towards her. He threatens to hit her at one point. Yeah. Like, real early in yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. He, like, raises his hand, and he's like, in my country, we slap a woman whenever she lies, or whatever. Um, You know, if you see my hand raised, blah, 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 you're never... You're gonna get I'm, it. I'm gonna pop you next time. I'm gonna pop you next time, basically. One of these days... Straight to the moon. Right. And I know that, so she she never has an opportunity to save herself or anything like that. And I understand a teaspoon bit where this is coming from. This is a, a, a male grandfather telling his male grandchild where a, a story that would appeal to him. And of course, you know, is this a kissing book? Is not going to really appeal. Uh, And it's kind of sad that we're in a society that thinks, oh, well, it's not just, you know, romance, but it's the fact that women can be empowered is also kind of tied up in... An, tied up in a narrative that it says, oh, this is a feelsy thing because mm-hmm. a woman can save herself or a woman can uh, act without the permission of her man. So not only is Wesley slightly abusive and gaslighting, at the end of the, the film, whenever we get to that sequence, you know, she's about to stab this knife in her chest. He, like, says... It's he says, you know, it'd be uh, there are only a handful of perfect breasts in this world. It'd be a shame to ruin yours. Um, and I'm like, it's a funny joke, but at the same time, do you realize she was about to kill your, herself because she thought you were never she was going to be forced to marry somebody? Um, constantly she's disempowered. She gets tricked into she thinks she's married somebody and she's also kind of portrayed as a bit dumb, you know, because she didn't figure out that that's because she didn't say I do uh, that she wasn't married to Humperdinck. Um, At this, I just have 
really sad feels that we couldn't have a more empowered buttercup this movie is wonderful and it does so many great things in terms of action and intrigue and all the male characters have really interesting things to do. It's just whenever we get to our titular Princess Bride, our woman on a pedestal, we are expecting her to be above everyone else in how she acts and basically just like this object to be carted around from place to place to possess, but not necessarily interact with. Excellent, excellent, Alexander Bohannon. And that is going to tag on very, very well to the things that I want to talk about with Ooh-ah. this movie. Because I love this movie. Oh, I, yeah. I want to begin with the caveat. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. I love Alex this movie. Alex loves this movie more than anyone else at this table. Probably, yeah. And yes. I think what's going on right now is a, a big thesis statement of the show is you can love things and be uh, ideologically troubled by yeah. them. Yeah. Problematic faves. Indeed, indeed. The next year, in 1988, another film was released featuring a uh, professional wrestler as one of the k- k- chief actors, um, Rowdy Roddy Piper in John Carpenter's They Live. He showed up to a kick ass and chew bubblegum. And he's all out of bubblegum. And uh, th- there's a moment, the, the film, if you don't already know, um, he finds a pair of sunglasses, a box of sunglasses, but the sunglasses, they um, reveal the ideology that is working behind the culture and so when you see certain bits of advertising is basically saying you know obey the state or get married and reproduce or other sort of again state messages uh, that that keep people in a certain set of systems that 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 seem to be inevitable right uh, and so i want to talk a little bit about uh uh, Antonio Gramsci and Louis Althusser. Um, Gramsci gives this idea of hegemony, this idea of inevitable culture, and that is a sort of a violence in culture that coerces people into assuming that this is just the way things are and they need to continue being that way and to get people to go ahead and acquiesce to that. Althusser talks about different state, uh, different apparatuses, ideological apparatuses. There are state ideological apparatuses, which are the military, the police, etc., that use sort of out-and-out violence in order to make these things happen. And then there are ideological apparatuses, which he names as education, religion, and he doesn't mention mass culture. But mass culture, um, since then, uh, theorists have talked about how this is a massive sort of use of that. What we have in the story is baby Fred Savage is being told a story that he does not necessarily want to hear, but it's being told in ways that he finds sort of appealing. Are there sports? Yes, fencing, pirates, those kind of things. You know, oh, oh, murdered by pirates, that sounds interesting, right? Those kind of things. In order for him to go ahead and accept the standard Hollywood dual plotting in which you have an adventure story of some sort... And the second plot line being the romantic story. Uh, perhaps the romantic story is a little bit more a plot, or at least more evenly plotted, uh, with the other bits of adventure, the revenge story of Diego Montoya, perhaps being a C plot, probably. Yeah, yeah, but all those things are being intermingled in such a way that he is very, very. Uh, he's not okay with this being a kissing book at as it begins. But by the end, when Peter Falk is wanting to close the book because yeah, it's more kissing. You don't care, and uh, no, oh, it's it's okay. I can I, I can listen. He he's already gotten older where he's more interested in girls and so we've now uh, again imposed heterosexual romance on this young child uh, based on the ideological apparatus of the state. The film itself concludes, it it, it wraps you up inside of a world in which this romance story is something of an opiate for the masses which prevents you from actually dealing with the circumstances within the state. Circumstances in which Wesley who is awful to Buttercup he is abusive. There There are consequences for a woman who lies where I come from. Those kind of lines. Also 
when Diego Montoya says, I give you my words a Spaniard, he says, no good, I've known too many Spaniards. It's tacit racism at that point that is part of his character and who he is as a person. We live in a place in Florida in which there is a thieves forest. There shouldn't be a thieves forest. There should be, this is a bad material circumstance. And when the big, and, and then when violence is being addressed as a usage of getting what you want, when Fezzik, or excuse me, no, it's Fezzik. When Fezzik and uh, uh, Wesley have their big confrontation, he says, oh, what, what we'll do right now then is you'll put down your rock, I'll put it down my sword, and we'll kill each other like civilized people. It's a great joke, but he's making a very good point. Yeah, and then Fezzik invokes God because we'll fight as God intended, as though God intends that this violence is going to happen. Now, the last part of the film, the violence that Wesley uses against Humperdinck is an implied violence of overwhelming force in that he has masked up this story of his uh, invincibility in such a way that it terrifies and kowtows Humperdinck into surrender. But it's still just violence, even though it's just the threat of violence. When the film ends, though, Wesley having gotten the girl, Humperdinck is still the prince. The state is still in place. This guy who's trying to trump up wars out of nowhere, who's trying to create circumstances because he wants a war, perhaps because of economic benefit, uh, having nothing to do with contemporary issues, um, nonetheless, uh, when he does all of this stuff, it's all fine and dandy because we have reunited the heterosexual couple. This is how ideological, again, uh, apparatuses are working. And this film is, you know, it's just part and parcel of that continued machinery of mass culture, which keeps on anesthetizing, opiatizing, uh, narcotizing us into these sorts of stories. And again, I love what you're saying about the monomyth and participation and all those things. I agree with all that wholeheartedly. But simultaneously, it is also preventing a bit of distraction so that we would not resist uh, apparatuses. We would not resist uh, situations and institutions that are detrimental. Uh, they, they continue to create what Adorno would call a false consciousness uh, in all of us to prevent us from actually fighting back. And we didn't even get into the myth of redemptive violence. That's how much there is to talk about. Yeah. This movie is amazing. And I thought, thank you for taking me to church, Pops. That was that was great. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you, you just laid the knowledge. And we barely talked about Inigo Montoya, which yeah. there's a whole fucking can of worms to open with that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah, watch movies and talk about them. Right? There, there is so much. This is what makes them so worthwhile. So let's go quickly around the table and let's give our verdicts. Uh, show for trash, shocking no one, and then a quick else <laughs> or instead. Uh, let's go around uh, counterclockwise. Mr. Caleb Masters, show for trash, else or instead. Uh, shelf, hello. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and watch this film. Watch your, watch it with your kids. Watch it with your girlfriend, with your wife, whoever. Watch it. Watch it right now. It's great. Um, and feel good about it. And I would also advise to watch it underneath, you know, after listening to the show and the analysis so you can kind of maybe read a little more into it and, and have some different takeaways. Um, and, you know, else, again, I said it my game, Never Ending Story, I think is a really, really great companion piece if you're looking at, like, little 80s, uh, you know, film, family films. Uh, and I, I think all the other picks from the game were also really excellent choices. Thank you very much. Mr. Arthur Gordon, shelf or trash, else or instead? Shelf all day. Um, and else, I want to say Holy Grail. I think that pairs extremely well here with the uh, the idea of the uh, medieval stories. Uh, I should have said it in the game, but Forrest Gump uh, is one that I think would work here. And then you finish it off with a Mel Brooks double feature of Blazing Saddles and Carrie Ola's coming back in Robin Hood, Men in Tights. <laughs> 
Yes. Well done, sir. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, Shelfer Trash, Elser instead. Yeah, I think this film is very shelfable. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fabulous little movie. Um, I was also going to recommend Robin Hood Men in Tights as a, a great film to pair it with. I would also recommend really the films of Rob Reiner. We talked about Caleb and Arthur and myself talked about Rob Reiner when we discussed A Few Good Men uh, last year, uh, right around the same time, I believe. Um and okay, Arthur's saying no, it wasn't. That's fine. Uh, but I, I think uh, Rob Reiner has a really interesting career, which is something we talked about when we talked about a few good men. Is kind of the diversity of his filmography. I mean, real quick, Misery, Stand by Me, A Few Good Men, Princess Bride. You couldn't pick four more different films. I really don't think so. Uh, get, get, dig more into that because I think he's kind of been forgotten as a filmmaker. And then. Um, I would re- uh, refer you to my picks for the gameplay because I think those are all really fun stories that are doing relatively similar things to what we see in Princess Bride. Awesome. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what say you? Shelfer trash, Elsa instead. No surprises. It's a shelfer. Um, I, yeah, I can't say anything else about it. It's it's amazing. I would recommend in, in terms of uh, Elsa's, um, I would say The Goonies. I would say Indiana Jones. I would say... Uh, yeah, Monty Python, definitely. Um, R- Robin Hood, Men in Tights, super yes. Um, and those those kind of 80s adventure family films that we, they've kind of gone by the wayside. Like, it, everything is either a comic book movie or, you know, it's, or it's like the, the, CGI trolls movie like it, it we don't have any of this live action practical effects stuff anymore oh um more uh the labyrinth definitely also the dark crystal if you want something that actually does cultural critique um yeah definitely any of those and you would be having a great day Awesome. Thank you very much for that, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. I also say shelf. Shelf and VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, and Blu-ray. Shelf it in all the formats. It's so good. And, and, uh, okay, I would go ahead and just say that everyone uh, has said great things. I'll also just mention uh, out loud, uh, this is Spinal Tap uh, to go yeah. along uh, with this film, yeah, just yep. to name it in particular, in, in the Reiner oeuvre. Yeah. And so, yes, good times to be had by all. Check that out. Check out a movie. Have a conversation. And get ready for next week. Um, Arthur Gordon and his swan song gets a host pick. What do we pick? Arthur well I deliberated long and hard and there are three options that ran through my mind but I conferred with my wife and she confirmed with me so next week there's something that I need all of you to do with me Dalton yeah Caleb Dustin yeah. Alex all right we're all holding hands you can't next see week, this dear uh-huh. there's something I need you to do yes. what am I doing next week I need you to run with me I need you to run with me, <laughs> run with me Jordy. like lions and tigers and bears when we watch The Wolf of Wall Street. Starring Rob Reiner. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I have not seen that movie in years. All right. Well, that sounds like fun. All right, Holy so, shit. So, <laughs> so, so excited to watch this movie. <laughs> I did not expect that. I um, did not either. I'm... This is going to be an interesting conversation. No one ever expects the Spanish Inquisition or the Wolf of Wall Street, it turns out. So thank you very much for that, Mr. No one expects the SEC. We are going to Nailed be taking it. a look at that because it's all about watching the movies and having a conversation. Guys, I'm telling you, the movies are so much more than that. We just talked about this weird, small, budgeted, you know, cult classic of a film and had a great conversation. Only began to scratch the surface. There's so much to this. The movies are so much more than 90 minutes and a bucket of popcorn. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time. Kabam. Kabam.
The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.